Welcome. Welcome, welcome. This quarantine thing sucks, huh? Yeah. It's, gr- it's great for my traffic in the morning, man, because I'm a essential employee. So the commute in is great. I mean, other than that, it sucks. So, yeah, we're uh, we, we, we got to do this a little differently. This is definitely weird trying to interact with people via computer. So this is the f- what second, first, or I don't know, first or second time we've really done this, isn't it? This is the first time we've done this, isn't it? First time. It? We've right? never – well, we've done – we've all done, like, meetings on the computer now. Zoom meetings, but – Yeah, but we have not done a podcast over the Zoom thing just because we'd much rather just sit down and talk to each other face-to-face. But, yeah, it's – So, yeah, I don't know. We got Dan and Dave and me all sitting here staring at a computer. It's just a little weird. <laughs> Quarantine sitting in our garages. Exactly. <laughs> but – you know, I mean, at least I can I can now sit in my garage, which is man, this That's quarantine huge. is actually it's been a, it's been kind of nice. Dan, you never saw it, but Dave saw it, and it was out of walk a, path in here. <laughs> it was like your kid's room on a bad day. I mean, it was it was bad. <laughs> I, no no two bones about it. It was it was pretty bad. But I'm proud of you, I mean, Brandon. You, you did a great job on that garage. It looks it looks sharp out there. I mean, it's like get you have a little bit of stuff that we have to finish on, and then let's back the jeep in and start wrenching. Don't tell your wife. Well, she wants to back her car and start. (laughs) The Jeep's far more important because the (laughs) rust has to fall somewhere off of that thing. (laughs) I don't just assume let the rust fall off out there, kick it a few times, and then bring it in and start grinding on it. We can do that too. Right? (laughs) It'll still have plenty of rust on your your shop floor. That thing's like half rust. So, What are you going to do with that thing? So... I've right. gone back. You got to you got you got to tell the saga of this thing because this has been this has been a, a, a while now. So yeah, this is you, this is Dave's Jeep. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I so I've been I've been messing around with like so when I ever since I moved up here I saw those like swamp buggies that you know you go out deep in Unit 13 where these guys just have these jacked up trucks and then go way deep kind of like what uh, Brian has you know what I mean I've always admired something like that and I've always thought that'd be really cool because I could put it on the trailer trailer it out. I can go beat the tar out of it. And then at the end of the end of the day, I put it back on the trailer and on Monday morning, I can still go to work with my regular pickup. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking around, looking around and I'm not want to spending a ton of money. And I was like, well, maybe a side by side. Well, a good side by side is like 30 G's, right? I mean, by the time you get all said and done, setting it up, I'm like going, I could do something better for 30 G's. So I was, yeah. looking, <laughs> I was looking and looking and looking and looking and finally on auction, I found a Jeep and I was like, sure, Jeep Cherokee. Sure. I'm not wild about them because they're unibody construction, but I was like going, sure, I'll bid on it. What the heck? Just sight unseen. Didn't even see the car. Didn't know if it ran, drove nothing. Just literally put a $250 bid on this thing. So, so 250 bucks. Yeah, 250 bucks. And then okay. the auction house goes, hey, you've won a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I have to go and I have to jumpstart said Jeep at the auction yard. Because it hasn't – it, so it got pulled. So the, the, the story goes there was a lady that owned it because I got the old ty- – I got some old information. It was a lady that owned it. Based on the interior of the vehicle, I would say that she was a drug user because I did find needles and some – well, it came, from the, it came from the valley, correct? So she was from the valley, but she was pulled over by the Muni. And in the Muni, if you have more than $1,000 or 10 tickets, either of which <laughs> on, you can get what's called uh, Schofield Law. So essentially, she got pulled over for whatever and like, hey, you have too many. So they impounded her car. Well, the truck's not worth the impound fees, which were like 1200 bucks to get mm. this thing out of impound. So, <laughs> so she just left it. So she just left it. Anyways, and, and based on you know, all the stuff that was in there, she did a lot of other extracurriculars. So I'm glad that the interior is getting gutted, but that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> um, hey, uh, I'm trying to keep this as I'd clean as possible. Some, I'd say get some sanitary wipes, but you ain't going to find any of those anymore. Yeah, no, no doubt. No, <laughs> no I, uh, I actually ended up cutting the carpet out, so we'll start with that. But anyway, so I uh, got this thing. Uh, it would not it would not drive out of the parking spot when I first got it. Like I like put it, finally got it started. It actually rumbled to life pretty fast and I put it in drive and then it like wouldn't get on the, so I was like, Oh, I drive it on the trailer. Sweet. So it was all set to winch it on the trailer and uh, it wouldn't move. It literally froze to the pavement where it was sitting. Wow. So had, yeah. So I had to kick it into four wheel drive and it had enough in four low to break itself free 
all the tires. <laughs> I might have smoked one of the wheels on the tire. It still holds air. I'm good. <laughs> I can move around my yard. So, <laughs> so I put it on the trailer. So I put it on the trailer, drug it home, right? And my wife was with me when I go get this thing. So, of course, I'm getting just ridiculed the whole time. She's chirping in my ear, what'd you buy this for? And then she's like, hey, whatever, honey. Just whatever. giving you the stink aisle. Oh, away. God, yeah. So it gets better. So I parked it and then I had to go down to the DMV and prove what it was. You know what I mean? So you have to go prove. So they're like, so there's a whole saga about this. So this lady comes out at the DMV over here in Eagle River and she's like, so you have a Jeep? I go, yeah, it's out back just because I can pull the trailer up there. And she goes, well, that's good because you shouldn't drive it because it's not registered yet. And you know, I didn't have the title and all this. Yeah. And so she looked at it. She goes, do you know where the VIN's at? And I go, well, it's up there on the dash. And she goes, well, does it match the paperwork? And I said, I sure hope so. Look, look like it to me. Like kind of like get over like, hey, like jump up there and look, right? She yeah. goes, I believe you. <laughs> so huh. it, it did match. Huh. But anyways, so. High quality work. Eric, yeah, this is. State of Alaska. Alaska. So, anyways, so they, get, they gave me a new title on the spot. It cost me 20 bucks. So now I'm in it for, uh, let's see, two, no, it's $15. So it was 265 I was in it for. And then I registered it. So here's the cool part. So I live in an HOA that is a little strict about things like, you know, fenders matching. They like to see, they like to see, you know, doors on your cars, things like this. Right. But because it, it runs, it drives and it has a license plate on it. Right. They can't say anything about it. As long as the tires are aired up. What'd you get on the license plate? Oh, I got roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've ever seen the show on motor trend on demand or on YouTube, the show Roadkill, where they literally take all beater clapped out cars and drive them around the nation. It's one of my favorite shows. And I was like, going, this thing is total roadkill. Like, it's right up their alley. This thing is a pile of bolts. Hmm. But it runs right. it, 185,000 miles. It runs strongish. Strongish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, as much as a four liter Jeep motor can run, you know, it's not like it's an yeah. LS motor or something like that. So. I think you just talked yourself into a solo first hunt with that truck. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll stand back with the rescue, the rescue <laughs> mission. <laughs> well, yeah, before I take it out, I'm going to, my, my goal is, is that if I, if I, long story, it's been the talk about getting that thing chopped up uh, and using the motor for other things. Uh, but if I end up keeping it as a Jeep, I'm going to put one tons underneath it and uh, I'll re end up rebuilding the motor and the transmission before I even go out. Just, it's not worth it yeah. to me to go 30 miles deep and then have a problem. Not that I don't know people that could get me back out, but it just, it's a pain. Nobody wants to ruin a hunt or another guy's hunt over being out deep because you were just too cheap and too oh, lazy to do the right thing. Man, right. you guys, uh, we got a guy who goes to church with us. Um, he's got a big deuce and a half that he takes out there. And was it last year? Last year, that thing broke like Whoops. 40 miles back. <laughs> so they had airdrops. They were out there for two and a half weeks trying to fix this thing out in the middle of nowhere. Ooh. And they just had a dude airdropping parts in because I wow. mean, there's no landing, no landing, nothing. And they just, all right, here's our coordinates. Right. Drop, drop it in the back of the plane. Pitch so, mark the plane window. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen the guys who do that? Like the, the planes that are built for it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the they, service. Huh? Yeah. In the service. We used to drop Humvees. Okay. It's yeah. a different kind of dropping. <laughs> Uh, if you can afford that dude uh, for a hunting trip, man, you're doing something wrong. Clearly. But, uh, no, they have a, so the pilot, it's back behind him, just not too far. So he's sitting there flying and all he has to do is kind of put whatever packages right, right beside him. And when they get to the spot, they just push it back and it falls out a hatch on the bottom of the plane. Oh, and cool. Yeah. A little, little parachute, uh, you know, fall assist parachute and they actually they'll do like the pumpkin competition and uh, uh around thanksgiving they go out to the connect glacier paint a big spray painted thing on a gravel bar and say who can get closest with their pumpkin and they'll just fly back and forth <laughs> i like it out of their plane that is so alaskan so, i love it right uh, they do it down at valdez but they they throw um bags with talcum powder but they've got to mm. throw them out the window the pilot's yeah. got to throw it out the window. Yeah. So that's another way they, they do it. Um, but the guys who do the airdrop, they, they get have, a little thing. Just, yeah. It's a pretty sweet little deal. So hmm. not all planes have it though. I mean, you got to have a plane that's, you know, you basically cut a hole in the bottom of your plane. So somehow it's like cutting a hole in the bottom of your boat, cutting a hole in your plane just sounds wrong. No, I think, 
Cutting a hole in the bottom of the boat's worse. Well, no, I mean, you do it all the time. It's called your... It's like you know, you, cutting the, a hole in the bottom of your car would be more like a plane because at least the bottom of the vehicle doesn't really have much weight as to whether you sink or not, you know? <laughs> Just saying. I don't know, man. There's <laughs> something about planes that make me nervous, but whatever. <laughs> Dude, so, so my grandpa, you guys, this is a fun one. My grandpa is, uh, or was... Uh, aviation mechanic and he worked on uh, one of the bombers b-52s in california so uh, during world war ii they'd fly them back over all or ship them back over sorry not fly them ship them back over all beat crap ripped up shot all over the place and him and his crew would fix them back up enough to send them back overseas like i, I mean i remember seeing a picture of he's sitting in the front of this you know was it b-17 uh, b-17 the big glass front mm-hmm and I uh, sit in front of this B-17, him and all his whole crew, and there's just holes all over this thing. And that's what they did. They fixed them up. So he was, he's been around aviation mechanics and maintenance stuff like forever. So up here, when he moved to Alaska, you know, back in the you know, 20s and thir- or 30s, 40s? Anyway, back in the whenever. Well, World War II was in the 40s, but anyways. 40s, early. so yeah. Maybe My 50s? math is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why anyway, you were at UNT. Right. <laughs> like, I'm a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> Math is hard. <laughs> Truth. Truth. Anyway, when they moved up here, he just, you know, he was the aviation guy. He'd fix anything. So he'd fly all over the place, go out and help people put stuff back together, fix their planes up. So he's telling me a story. He was out in the, the Bethel area somewhere, some little village. And he's working on a plane, and he hears some another plane coming in. And he's like, it doesn't sound quite right. Something's weird about it. And this pilot comes in, lands, and plane is just, like, tattered. And he had – he goes over and talks to this guy, and he says, there's, like, silver stuff on it and, you know, little pieces flapping around, and it just – it looked bad. So he goes over and talks to him and finds out that as this guy was out at his hunting camp, a bear came and chewed up his plane. <laughs> I've heard about like, stories like that. It's not, yeah, like, right? it's not right? like common, but it's not like – I yeah. mean, we've all heard of them. You know, you've been around Alaska yeah. more than a minute. So this dude, he, you know, the bear chewed off one of the struts to hold the wing up. So the, the support for the wing is now gone. Ripped all the, the fabric off the back and the wings. Or not all of it, but ripped it up enough that, you know, you're not doing much. Chewed the tires up. So all the tires are just disintegrated, right? Pop big old holes in them. Apparently bears love tires. They love the rubber on them. They also, yep. and, they also and rubber rafts. Yeah, rubber rafts, right? So this dude, he goes out there, and to fix the strut, he finds a little willow branch. Well, you know, just the little sure. scrawny willows that are out all over the place. Cuts one of those things down, duct tapes it onto the, the wing and the body. Uses duct tape to fix all the other, you know, stuff all over the plane, all the things that are hanging off. Takes all his gear, his extra clothes, his sleeping bag, and stuffs the tires just enough to get him off the ground and takes off for camp. So he comes in, lands, changes the tires, and gets back in my plane. And my grandpa's like, where are you going? He's like, oh, I got to go back out and get my buddy and the rest of the stuff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and takes back off. That's, that's pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, cutting a hole in the bottom of the plane for those boys out there who are those Alaska bush yeah. pilots. Mm, nah, don't care. Yeah. Saws all in duct tape. Here we go, I yeah. guess. Right. So I'll have to dig through and see if I can find some pictures. You talk about a bear chewing up a, a super cub. The I think it was down around Kin Salmon, and this bear just shredded all the fabric off the plane. Mm-hmm. So he had some guys fly in, and they dropped off duct tape by the case, and he wrapped the entire frame with duct tape and the wings and flew the plane out. Yeah, I was gonna say the MythBusters did an episode on that. I think. Uh, they I think a, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So right. the, the, they did, and when they did that whole thing where they took like literally like replaced all the, the, the skin with duct tape, like the. Yeah. So like you, it can be done. Sure. Most, most pilots will stash it at their their base camp, or at least they have at least a couple rolls on them. Well, I also hear bears like ATV seats too. I, I, I th- there's something about the foam and the, that rubber. Yeah, that yeah they, the foam they like. They like, like the, I guess they like. So yeah, a few rolls of duct tape are like essential. They like mm-hmm. right up there next to the Bible almost. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the Bible. You need the Bible, and then you need duct tape. 
right. probably a rifle in there somewhere. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. So, I don't know. I love those, like, old stories that everyone's heard and all that junk. So, that got me thinking, like, you know, we got, you know, Dave, you're from, you know, the, the West Coast. Dan, you're from Midwest. You know, I spent some time in, you know, in Dan's neck of the woods. But, like, we all have, like, different uh, – different hunting stories we all grew up doing hunting different areas i grew up hunting here in alaska you know a lot of my area was out there up on the the unit 13 denali highway that's where i grew up hunting what are the stories what are some just places that are unique to you guys that are some really cool stories that you can remember i think for you know me growing up in michigan i learned how to hunt pheasants grouse rabbits whitetail all in about the same two or 300 acres behind my grandparents' farm. And the whole family would hunt. You know, there was lots of ag land, just amazing memories with the family, hunting all kinds of critters and learning how to hunt, you know, with my uncles and my dad. But when you talked about it earlier today, one of the stories that I kept, kept coming back to share with you guys, it was my last mule deer hunt in Colorado before I moved up here ended up being my last hunt with my dad. Oh man. Well, the opening day, dad whacked a monster mule deer, just a beautiful buck on opening day. So it was a seven day season. We hunted. I couldn't scratch anything. Just just because I'm just because I grew up here. What time of year is that? Um, I think we were probably second, or third season so october okay cool yeah early yeah. november i say I, th- I think i think second season is late october if i remember right yeah mm-hmm. we may have even been the third season into early you know november 10th ish yeah so i'm running out of time it's the last day of season which was on a monday and i had to go back to work mm. but i told dad i said you know what there's a ridge just a mile from the house let's just go park watch this ridge for a couple hours in the morning and then I'll bolt to work. So he's game. He goes with me. We hike up this ridge. We get set down. He nestles into this pine tree. He's not carrying a weapon because he's tagged out. Mm-hmm. I turned to look back at him and told him, I said, 10 more minutes. We got to go. And about two more minutes goes by. And all I can see, there's a little bench about 70 yards below me. All I can see is just antlers, just see the tops of these tines. <laughs> and I don't care what it is, right? but I, I'm going to whack it, it as long as it's legal. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the last down. day animal. <laughs> right. So I start easing my rifle up and I get it up against the tree. And my dad's just looking at me. I've got a reputation for shooting any coyote that gets close enough regardless of what we're hunting so my dad's dad's thinking oh this idiot's at it again gonna shoot another coyote and he's just sitting there watching me well this buck it it literally only took two or three more steps and then it it just snapped its head and looking straight at me it winded me and all i can Mm. see is its nose and about two inches below its nose and then it's rock yeah. So I whacked him. I threaded the needle, got <laughs> nice. him right in, the, wow. right, right in the neck, and he dropped out of sight. Well, my dad, he wasn't anticipating that rifle, and he come clean <laughs> out of his britches. <laughs> he's like, what did you shoot? What did you shoot? He's like, did you shoot a crow or a, a, a magpie? Coyote? Yeah, magpie. <laughs> And I'm like, no, dad, no. I said, I said, I shot a little buck. And he's like, you did? And I said, yeah, let's go down there and get him. Well, backing up a little bit, when that buck snapped and turned mm-hmm. his head and looked at me straight on, he was yeah. absolutely the biggest mule deer I'd ever seen on the hoof. So I told dad oh, wow. I had just, just shot a little guy. And we just, we hobbled down there and we get down and we drop off that ridge and there he laid. And, uh, he was my first 200-inch mule deer, 31-inch wow. spread, and just massive. Yeah. Um, just my dad was ecstatic. He's been hunting mule deer for – he'd hunted him for 50 years before he passed away. Yeah. And yeah. he'd never seen, never seen one that big. So 
Mm. It was uh, and with dad, which makes yeah, yeah, all the sweeters. That's awesome, it, dude. You yep. should have told him I shot a little coyote. We got to go get it. <laughs> oh, I should have. <laughs> <But, laughs> well, that's yeah. the weirdest coyote I've ever seen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, I was vibrating with adrenaline so bad, I I wasn't thinking <sighs> too good on the pranks. But uh, I bet you weren't, <laughs> dude. You did better than I would have done. Well, yeah. even at that point, man, I'd have let out a war hoop like you wouldn't believe. I mean, the dude, yeah. no, and I'd have dropped a big old buck. I didn't know out his mind. <laughs> I was still levitating because I think Dad cleared two feet when, uh, <laughs> when I when I t- t- stopped that seven mag, oh, seven magnolas, uh, and they're loud too. That's yeah, fantastic. But what a great nice. hunt. I mean, Dad shot, and I've got both of them here at the house. Dad passed away a few years ago. But I've got both the head mounts here at the house. And um, the year after that, I ended up moving to Alaska. And so we we never did get a chance to deer hunt again after that. Hmm. Man, that's so, a special one. Yeah, it was that's so awesome. much fun. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I love having that reminder. Like, or the, the first caribou, like, that I've ever, I was a part of was, uh, my dad shot that one. And. Yeah, I mean, I've been up hunting with him. Like I said, we we so we'd hunt U13 Denali Highway, and I every year we'd go up there and spend a couple of days and playing with friends and my siblings and everything, just screwing around up there. And uh, but the first time I really went out, we went out on a, a longer hunt, other than just you know, my dad would go out, we'd stay at the camp with you know friends and family and everything, and uh, I actually went out with him. And um, he took a uh, we got all the way back up uh, from. What was that hunting camp? More, more hunting camp. Moore's hunting camp. It's about mile, about halfway up the high, on the highway, right, right, right smack in the middle. And uh, we go all the way back, uh, past the Susitna. So you pass uh, from the Cantwell side, you pass the Susitna. Oh, um, right. Okay. Susitna's I know you're at okay. mile 30 ish, and this is about mm-hmm. mile 50 to 55. Somewhere in there. I'd have to look that up for is specific it which kind of 25 miles back in there? I don't know. Anyways, go ahead. So this is this was in the halfway-ish between McLaren and Sioux Okay, gotcha. Okay, so we're in that. So we're kind of in that that flat basin area in mm-hmm. between the two. Right. Um. Yeah. So we're where all the mosquitoes um, are at. And there's oh yeah, dude, it's just swampy nastiness <laughs> out there. But you know, um. So we got back. Uh, we borrowed somebody's four wheeler, which was like the first time I'd ever done a four wheeler hunt, which was very cool. cool. I don't know. I was like. I must have been 10 or something like that. And uh, we got all the way back up uh, on top of, we called it Moore Mountain. I'm not sure exactly what the mountain is, but you go from Moore Hunting Camp to the one real peak. We called it Moore Mountain, right? Sure, right. Makes sense. So we got back up there and we hadn't seen anything. Like stopping in glass and looking, it's just nothing, nothing, nothing. And all of a sudden my dad just like gives me the like stop and get down. And you know, the heart starts thumping and thumping and I have no idea exactly what's going on, but I know something's happening. And, uh, you know, he kind of sneaks up ahead of me and rears up on his knees and boom, and um, disappears over the hill. Just sitting and waiting and sitting <laughs> and waiting. And the thing that I remember most about that that initial part of that is about that point, I'm kind of waiting, not knowing really what to do. And I've got my little, you know, Ruger 1022 because that's about – perfect yeah. yeah that's about where i was at that that age mm. and uh all of a sudden spruce grass just come just rolling in up the mountainside and i'm sitting there going well crap what do i do because <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to shoot at it because i don't know where my dad is and i'm like still kind of nervous he just disappeared over the hill and but uh yeah he popped up and yeah that caribou's still up on our wall that was a beautiful animal like the only nice. caribou we'd seen all day and very just cool gorgeous animal but yeah so after that we started cleaning doing his thing and he's like yeah go shoot yourself some spruce grouse so nice wandered off and popped some spruce grouse but that was like the first time i'd really been involved in an animal and like that first time walking up on a big game animal was just you don't forget that one no you right don't. how beautiful that thing was right <clears throat> so would you guys cook up those spruce hens that evening would you eat eat them in camp oh yeah yeah oh yeah yep like a little blueberry sauce and yeah mm-hmm. 
It's oh, just yeah. so much fun getting the alders and just cooking them over an open fire. Yep. And then go so down good. to one of the creeks in there. I mean, every little creek down there had grayling in it. So just walk in there and throw a little oh. bead and man, you pull some fresh grayling out, some spruce grouse, man. So many stories. You know, I think about all the different hunting times that I've been at. I just kind of go, is it your first antelope that you took, which was a little different than like when people think like antelope, like you think like Wyoming open areas, a wooded antelope hunt or your first year you took. But I go back to my first hunting trip I was ever on with my dad. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I must have been five, four, four or five years old. I mean, I was just a knee biter. You know what I mean? And so my dad had an 82 Toyota pickup. So just kind of give you an idea of what I'm sitting in, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's a two-wheel drive model because that's all we needed. And so he's got this little two-wheel drive Toyota, and we're out bow hunting, okay? And I watched my dad all summer long get really good. And this is probably September. Now, in September in Oregon, you can either be hunting with your rain gear on or you can be hunting with T-shirt and shorts. Like, it's either, mm-hmm. like, blazing hot or it's, like, cold, wet, rainy, and just get wet, get muddy. And this was kind of an in-between time, so it was, like <laughs> – you know, jeans was like, okay. And I remember sitting there in the camouflage. And so there's two stories that go with this. That's why I'm bringing it up. There's number one, we were at camp. And so dad brought along split pea soup. I, to this day, hate. <laughs> <laughs> you so, can't put enough ham in soup to make it taste good. Thank you, Dan. I'm with you. I'm fully with you. But I'm five, you know. And so my dad <laughs> is trying to feed me on the cheap. You know, we didn't have a lot of money at the time. And so he says to me, with, I mean, a straight face. So you wonder where I get this from, Brandon. Now you know where it comes from. Looks to me with a straight face. So you got camouflage for the outside. You need camouflage your insides. <laughs> no that's how i just come rushing out the other end dude <laughs> so, so he so he says so he said, soup looks the same going in as it does going out <laughs> so he tells me this he tells me this with a straight face right and i eat the bowl of the soup because i'm a good little kid right and i and i remember distinctly asking him did it work he says well lift up your shirt I remember looking down at my belly and I go, he says, can you see your insides? I said, nope. He goes, well, it must've worked <laughs> with a straight face. With a straight face. Oh. So the, ne- the uh, next, next morning we get up. This, you know, oh, this story explains so much. <laughs> yeah. It's come, it's coming together. Isn't it? <laughs> oh, no, I think it's better. So the next morning we get up at like, Oh, dark 30. We're cruising around these old logging roads, looking for some elk. Cause it was in Oregon at that time. You can get a, deer or elk at the same time uh any animal kind of thing so with bow hunting they didn't restrict anything down where we were at and this cow elk walks out in front of the truck okay so dad's doing like 20 25 down this gravel road just kind of cruising and so of course he slides it to a halt and this uh, this large ish uh you know roosevelt elk and they're probably thousand pounds on the hoof 900 pounds on the hoof something like that is my guess um it was, a, it, was a, it was a bigger cow, and Daddy would have been set looking back at it. But in my mind's eyes as a five-year-old, I'm looking up at this cow elk snorting at us, right, as we almost hit this dumb thing. And Dad goes, oh, i got to get the – he jumps out of the truck trying to get his bow on and, you know, all this stuff. And my response was, you're going to shoot that with sticks? Are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> that thing looked like it was ready to kill us. So, anyways, yeah. It was, uh, Dude, it was, those things are, those aren't, those are no joke. Like, I, I mean, growing up in Alaska, we, moose were common, man. I can't tell you how many times we weren't really sure if our living room windows were going to survive because the moose would come up and lean against them to get the warmth off of the windows. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just common. We saw them all the time. I remember very distinctly uh, when, uh, when I proposed to my wife, uh, I proposed to her on Mackinac Island in Michigan. Oh, uh, nice. In, in the butterfly house and uh we were driving back that night and our friends had uh we were driving her car which was uh uh 2000 huh the infamous beetle yeah the infamous <laughs> beetle it's like a 2000 yellow bug like i mean it was <laughs> it was her car is what you know her car oh yeah obviously and uh i got other stories about that car later <laughs> that are, don't go along with hunting but uh <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember we're driving back through, you know, just through kind of the, that country area of Michigan, of Northern Michigan. Well, you know, and, uh, twilight ish and, you know, just starting to get dark and all of a sudden coming across the road was probably 
five to ten elk. And, and this was what? Hmm. 2004? 2003, 2004 time frame. Wow. Mm. Which, I, I mean, it, I'm pretty sure from just kind of looking at it and researching it, that was pretty rare back then. Yeah, that was, that was early on. I, I left Michigan in 92. Yeah. Mm. And I think they introduced them shortly after that or around that time. Sure. So, I mean, seeing that animal in that time frame was very rare. Like you That's just, pretty cool. And, man – like I said, I grew up seeing moose and driving on the road with moose, but seeing those things in that little stinking beetle, like just was, holy crap, those were some big animals. Yeah, so. and, the, and, the, and the funny part is, is that so when you're sitting in a Toyota pickup that's a two-wheel drive, they sit like a car does, right? So you're like looking under the belly. You know, mm-hmm. in my five-year-old mind, like it was an elephant too. You know what I mean? So that's the part oh, that, yeah. you know, I mean, you know. Having shot a cow elk since then, obviously, I know exactly how big the thing probably really was. But, you know, in right. my mind's eye, to this day, it's still that thing is just huge. I'm mean, just looking up I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to take it with a stick. I love yeah. it. Hey, I remember uh, just like, looking at my dad like, you're crazy. Like, you're going to flick that stick at it. I mean, yeah. So which, which also, you know, begs, you know, it also always, when I think about like bears, people going after bears with bows. I kind of go, and we argue about what caliber rifle. People take them with arrows. Like, uh. Dude, I, I don't think the caliber is as big an issue as shot placement. A, your velocity uh, of it, and shot placement. Yeah. It's all shot pla- you know, placement. But you get my point. But anyways, digress. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was – I mean, we were talking a while back about, uh, um, you know, the, the Alaska Moose Federation coming out saying, please don't shoot moose with pellet guns. Pellet guns, yeah. Yeah, yeah pellet guns paper. because they were doing necropsies on moose that they found dead in somebody's yard, and it's they find a pellet that drop a lung, and this moose dies. You know how many hours later after somebody shoots him because they're playing around in their yard or whatever and want to get him gone, so they shoot him with a pellet gun. It's not going to hurt a moose. It's a giant moose. Right. Yeah. Well, some yeah. of those new pellet guns are shooting a thousand, twelve hundred feet per second. Yeah. Well, and people think, well, it's just giant big moose. You're not going to, this little pellet's not going to really do that much damage. But man, you pop it between a, a, the ribs and it's going right through those lungs. Yeah, sure so, can. Yeah. Let me tell you, the, sometimes we reminisce about hunting stories and things like that. It's always better in our mind's eye looking back on it than it really ever was. Mm, true. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like, like the suck is not as bad, particularly for those, like when you got something, it's like super sweet. You know what I mean? Like, but if like, 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 so like some of the worst hunts I've ever been on, I mean, really like, so when I took my cow elk, uh, right before I moved up here, this was five years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I, le- it was right. It was the Sunday after Thanksgiving and I had to okay. work the next day. And my dad's like, let's just go out for an afternoon hunt. You know, it's like, you got the tag. It's the last day of the hunt. Let's go just try and take one. End up getting an animal. And so like the weather, it was blowing probably 20, 25 miles an hour on top of the ridge above my house and at my house it was 10 degrees i mean and it Yikes. was just it was cold but i remember so so it's funny part is so you, if you talk to me about it it was a warm evening uh you know i was sweating of course i was also the guy gutting and cutting and uh, you know when i say that it was a great time now dad holding the flashlight says he about froze to death out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, i can see that yeah sounds yeah. So, right. you know, but there wasn't raining so i was happy so did you get my point so, yeah that really brings up the the thought of suck level versus how good the hunt was. Well, if you is, get something, it's always is great. there a correlation? Ooh, I, I think so. I think uh, some of my best hunts have been the ones that I look back on. It's like, man, that was miserable, you know. But we either got animals, or we overcame an adversity, or mm. we got. St- got our boat stuck you know out duck hunting Mm, i don't know it's and the memories and then laughing at each other when it's all done you know and then getting back and getting warm and a cold beer yeah i mean i i like the hunts that have a lot of uh challenges let's say speaking of cold beer by the way because of our current uh quarantini i'm drinking some of that kirkland crafted uh brews yeah quarantini yeah yeah really yeah (laughs) <laughs> I'm drinking some of these uh, Kirkland craft. I'm not even touching. It's, it's a that, White Claw. Brandon. You're drinking White Claw, aren't you? What? No, 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 it's no, White no, Claw. Just no, no. say it. Just say it. Tell me. It's a Kirkland. Teeny White Claw. You know. 
It's an American <laughs> Pale Ale. He raided Alex's uh-huh. fridge. <laughs> It's a craft brewed American Pale Ale. Oh, it's a, you guys have video evidence of that. Jeez. Uh, Jeez. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I do think that there's something to the suck level as far as like if it sucks, like you look back on it, it's just so much fun. You can tease each other about it, have a lot of fun, like, hey, we did that. But as far as do you get more animals? Nah, I've had just as much success on like what I would call a real easy hunt as a versus a real hard hunt. But the ones I remember the most are usually the hard ones where I worked it and I just, there was something like snow or fell in the water or, you know, something crazy happened that I had to overcome. I totally with you, Dan. I, I agree that the, looking back, the better hunts are the ones that really weren't smooth. Right. Yeah. You know, we went to ADAC uh, quite a few years ago with a, a group of us and, you know, you show up in ADAC. It was uh, was it after Christmas, so it was after. It was right around. It was December time frame. I think it was right before Christmas. So, you know, here in this part of the state, pretty cold. Like you know, it's Christmas time. It's getting there. It's starting to get a little temperatures starting to drop. Well, down in ADAC, you know, your your latitude's a little lower. So, it's it was about. 25 30 the whole time but man it would rain and snow sideways like constantly i think we had one clear sunny day and everything else was wind just whipping and um we got two animals that whole time Mm. you know and so adac it is five five a day per person on adac wow like i mean that's so I mean, yeah, it's a lot five, of work, that, but you get five. That's work. <laughs> so the reason, the reason for that is they're considered reindeer. They're not caribou. So back in uh, world war. Yeah. In uh, the military days, they had animals. They brought animals in there for a food source. Well, the military took off left, you know, left town. And all of a sudden you have a very small population and it, no predators. I mean, there's, there's nothing. There's foxes out there and that's it. Foxes and eagles, the only predators. And, they've been trying to get rid of the foxes. Cause again, the foxes are, if I remember correctly, what they said is they brought the foxes in to eat, try and take care of the rat problem. And the rat problem came from the Navy boats. So it's just like this constant Dang Navy like, guys, dude. Right. So <laughs> like there's, there's no predators. So you have these, these caribou that are out there that are eating and it's just a grassy Island. There's no trees. In fact, if you ever, if you want to look up something cool, look up ADAC national forest, there is a national forest on ADAC. With no trees. trees. There's about six of them. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, I guess it's a very, like, it's an endangered type of tree or something. I don't know. There's a plaque, and I didn't read it, but whatever. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, just these caribou are out there thriving because there's no predators. Just grassy, amazing food source for them. And they love it. I mean, it's just like the North Slope type of a country, except nice. don't have to fight off anything. So And a lot um, more mild. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so these guys, I mean, they're here and we've, we always heard these animals will just kind of wander through town that time of year. They're migrating from one side of the island to the north side of the island and uh, they kind of go right through town. So we showed up in December expecting to see caribou all over the place and hey man, we're all going to shoot our five caribou and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and yeah, man, nothing. There was no animals for like three days. And you're out there for a week. Plane shows you up, drops you off on one day. Plane comes out. So right. you're out there for a week. So there's four days of you know, driving around out there in these little teeny roads in this very small part of the island. There's not a lot of roads. And uh, we <laughs> finally realized real quick that we had to hike back into over some hills and mountain ridges. And that was just miserable of climbing, climbing hills that were pretty dang steep descending hills are pretty dang steep with just whip and wind and hmm. not a lot of snow i mean it's not like there's a huge snow cover on the whole place but it was constantly some sort of precipitation and it all just gets blown away you know so but man it was i remember we were sitting hunkered down in this in eating lunch and the wind is just killing us and we find this little like divot this little like little spot where we can get down underneath it and the wind's blowing over our heads and we ate lunch there and uh, we get back to town that day and start talking to some people. And we've come to find out the Japanese would bomb that Island like weekly during world oh, war back II. When, Yeah. Yep. Hmm. And that, what we sat in was a Japanese bomb 
crater. <laughs> wow. So I'm like, holy crap, dude, that is nuts. So yeah, but, man, I remember that island. Like it was just beautiful. And I'd go back in a heartbeat. Even if would I did. Oh yeah. Yep. I would uh, easy. I wanted to do that that trip something fierce, but I know the weather can get you. I've had buddies that have gone down to Raspberry, um, just outside of Kodiak. Sure. And, and you know, make that trip down there and then go on a drop camp, get dropped off. Friend of mine a few years back, they got on the beach, got camp set up, hunkered down for the night, and the next day it was fifty to seventy mile an hour winds uh. and never never let up. So it was the same deal. They were there for a week and never left camp. Yeah. So the thing with ADAC is you fly in on a, like a 747. It is a full on runway. Like it's, it's legit. Um, mm-hmm. You're not bush, bush hopping it into that area. So you get off the plane and what you have to do is you have to rent everything that's out there. Like you just, you, you rent a, rent a house essentially you stay in the old barracks, what you do. And it was the, the town that they built up because that thing shut down in early 90s, I believe. Yeah, part of the, part of the first BRACs. Yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that, that this place was operating. So the housing is actually not that bad. So what people have done, people have done is they've realized people want to come out and hunt. So you, they'll buy a place out there. And a either they live out there and they'll live in one side and rent the other side out, or right, they buy. Yeah, they're all duplexes, right? All military style housing, and uh, or they'll buy a full on one, fix it up, and then man, I think it's five hundred dollars a day to rent the house. Whoa! No, hundred dollars a day. Everything's a hundred dollars a day. Hmm. Sorry, because it was five hundred dollars between four of us. Four of us went out there. It was five hundred dollars each for everything on the island. Hmm for a week that included a car rental and a place to stay that's not bad and and food and we brought our own food out right so it really not bad airfare is the biggest kicker because i mean you're flying the equivalent of flying all the way to seattle it's a way out there so um we all used air miles and flew out there uh they'll pick you up at the airport and take you walks away yeah, <laughs> pick you up at the airport. Here's your truck. Everyone pile in. And you drive across the little town, and they give you your house, and you settle in, and you take your truck, and off you go, and you drive around the little, little roads and streets that are all over the place. And so you, you never get a place where you're like, man, the weather's so bad, I can't do anything. I have to sit in my my t- my tent because I can't even walk. You know, there were guys who were going out every single day, even when it was just blowing sideways. They just rode home. They'd drive around the little roads as best they could and wait to see something that walked along. There are some guys that were very successful doing that. Huh. So it actually kind of pissed us off because we were hiking over everything, and the guys in the duplex next to us were – they brought a ton of beer, and about three-quarters of the way through the trip, they had to go buy more beer from the local store. Now, a six-pack of amber out there was 25 bucks. No way. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. And they, yeah. It's expensive. And these dudes went in there with like, they bought cases of stuff and they were basically hammered the whole week driving around and they got like seven caribou. We got wow. two. And we're just like, you sons of. <laughs> <laughs> not, not polite tones in your head. Oh man. So you're sitting there like, oh, nice caribou, man. Nice. Good job. Like, yeah. Yeah. Crack another one. You're like, mm. how many locals live out there uh not many um i'm gonna look it up because it's it's not a lot Um, north of a thousand it might be i don't even think it's a thousand it might be like 500 people out there they have any they have a harbor they do any commercial fishing out of there at all um 331 yeah, so yeah it's not like 331 total residents yeah, according to 20, 2017 right yeah wow so uh they uh, commercial crab boats will come through there because there are crabbing grounds out there they don't have a plant or anything out there um, but they do have a harbor i mean it was a navy port so you can get yeah, some okay. it's a deep water harbor um there are some pretty big buildings in there i don't know what kind of what industry they have out there but it's not like a big thriving city 
Well, those buildings would have so. been put up by the military, and the military puts up all kinds of crazy things. Oh, yeah. Because that's what the Army yeah. does. I mean, Army's just as bad Especially, as the Navy. Yeah. So, um, well, it was, it was, I don't think it was ever an Army base. Well, but I'm just saying, the Army and the Navy, oh, they're gotcha. the same. That's my point. Yeah, is it, was, it, was, Army bases. it was Navy, Air Force, Navy, and then Air Force. So, I well, mean, yeah. yeah it so I would say with the Air Force, I said they had the same because they're branched off of the oh, Army. Yeah. They have the same thought process, and that is oh, go yeah. bigger, go home. Yeah, so there's yeah. just infrastructure all over that part and just amazing little barracks and bunkers and you yeah. know, it's it's such a cool place to go. And the sea duck out there, holy crap. Man, Harlequin, King Eder, uh, Black Bryant, man, it's all wow. out there. So I even saw a huge flock of green heads flying along. No way. I can't believe it. And I hear it have come around this little corner out by a big old lake, and all of a sudden, this huge pop of mallards come out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Out here? Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, we got to go. It's on yeah. the bucket list. It's, you know, that's miles is the big one. Yeah, the, it's also on the bucket list. We got to go out to the islands and go just get some deer next year or this year, mm-hmm. next year, next, next Sutton season. This year. Which islands? Yeah. Estra Island, Night Island. Out there in the out there in the sound, you go out there after August one, you're allowed bucks till October one, and then after October one, you're allowed the any deer. Right. So, so I'm Dan's, the, Dan's the better expert on that. Isn't the biggest issue just purely the weather getting out there on the boat? Well, my last my mistakes that I've made was I was I've always waited till like mid November to start targeting going because wanted to wait for snow to push everything down. Yeah, that's and what I've then. Heard. And then come mid-November, I couldn't get out. Mm, Just, right, uh, sure. Either weather or uh, work. But mm-hmm. this coming year, we're going to do a little different after August 1st. We just can't go high. You know, hike to the top. And glass. And, then over, and overnight if you have to. Just yeah. take, a freight, take a freight pack, spend the night oh. on the top. So the nice come thing down is- the next day. You know, I mean, I hunted the black, the Colombian blacktail uh, deer, which is a cousin of the Sitka blacktail, and they're yeah. the Sitka are even smaller than when I hunted back home. And the the Colombians, I mean, one guy can pack it out without too much grief. So these are small enough that if you boned them out in the field, you should be able to pack them out pretty short order. You bet, you bet. So. It's absolutely the best venison I've ever had. Oh, it's cool. so good. Colombian yeah. is the best I've ever had. I've never had a Sitka, but I've had Colombian, and I would I would agree the black tails are better than muleys or white tails. Oh, but I'm sure. a little but I'm a little biased. I'll be honest. Yeah, you know I've had a little bit of a uh, white tail back in when I was living in Michigan, but not a lot. So did I ever tell you about the baked Bambi butt story? The what? <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> so we, we were so so it goes like this so we were we're october very successful we took uh we were allowed my brother my dad and i were allowed six deer between the because we got doe tags we had buck tags we were very successful i think we got four deer that year which was really good for for uh rural oregon on the western side so we got our four deer you know did our process system and my cousin came up from new mexico because she was checking out all the colleges she's probably two years younger than i am three years younger. no dan's three years younger my brother, Dan. So she must've been two years younger than I am. So I was in college already. And so I was like 20 at the time. And my dad like made burgers and you know, to, with those venison burgers, you have to mix them with like egg and something else to kind of make the burgers stick together. And so literally fat, we didn't do any of that stuff. Dad was watching his <laughs> diet. Then. So we used an egg and we used a little bit of, uh, used an egg and you know, we mixed it all together, make it like this really nice kind of like juicy, really good burger. So dad made these burgers and my cousin's sitting there and she goes, these are like the best burgers I've ever had. These are like so good. What kind of free range? And she's a hippie child, you know, mm. parents are real hippies. What kind of free range, blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, that's baked Bambi, but <laughs> came off the ridge <laughs> over here. <laughs> the look of shock <laughs> and horror on her face. She was uh, just, and I'm done. <laughs> uh that's so that's that's amazing and sad all at the same time. Same time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the only <laughs> the only uh, deer hunting I've ever done was uh, when we when moved down to Michigan and you know grew up hunting up here. So I'm a hunter. Yeah, I I know what I'm doing. And a buddy says, "Yeah, come on out. We'll go out to the deer stand." I'm like, all right, cool. And you know this was before 
really, you know, the, the Netflix and all that stuff where you can just go watch stuff on TV. There sure. wasn't a lot of outdoor shows that were out there at that point in time. So I really had no idea what I was getting in myself into. So we, we drive out to some, you know, cornfield in Western Michigan and uh, <laughs> so. like get out of the truck <laughs> And he's in his T-shirt and his jeans, grabs his rifle and the case of beer and, like, starts walking. I'm just kind of, like, flabbering. What What is happening here? I'm, you know, I had my hiking boots and, you know, my camel pants. And, you know, I didn't have a rifle down there because I didn't have one. You know, just moved down there. Very out of my element. No idea what's going on. And he walks over to this plywood shack, <laughs> opens it up, and he's like, all right. And we sat in this thing for, and this was all of 30 yards from the truck. Ish. <laughs> it was a long hike there, man. Yeah. Especially <laughs> the case of beer. <laughs> <laughs> and we sat there and he drank most of that case of beer and saw no animals. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, this is hunting in the lore 48. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a lot like ice fishing. <laughs> kind of yeah right. actually if you throw a cigar into it yeah it would be basically ice fishing <laughs> except for with rifles mm. i may have shot a pistol down an ice fishing hole once nice. <laughs> we didn't catch any fish that day and i was a little pissed <laughs> imagine that and i had a pistol that i had never shot before so great what place else to are you do gonna it. do right Why not? that'll show the fish <laughs> you guys ever been antelope hunting i have in new mexico and wyoming okay so i'm assuming it's probably like mostly like open like what you traditionally see on like tv like lots of open sagebrush where you get out on the ridge walk them down and then take a really long poke at them you know four or five hundred yards kind of a thing yep yep okay. pretty much so have you ever hunted them in the woods I've never hunted them where there's any trees, no. Okay, so in Oregon, you can hunt antelope in the trees. Hmm. I didn't realize antelope went in the trees. Yeah, so like, I, I'm not an either. expert because I, you know, grew up in Alaska and all, but. So it's actually very rare. They don't normally go in the trees. They will, even in like Wyoming, why not? They will kind of wander to the trees, get some shade and things like that. So it's, like a, it's more edge habitat for them, right? So in in parts of Oregon, it's where it's such that they actually live in the woods. Like they spend most of their life in the woods. Hmm. And so I drew this tag to go hunt antelope, any antelope. And they like, and they're trying to like, it's like right, kind of right. It's, it's like right along the highway corridor. So they're trying to keep them off the road. So I'm like, okay, well I drew this tag and now I'm hunting antelope completely like deer. This is crazy. And yeah, so I actually, had a, so I shot, so what they said, well, I was doing a whole bunch of research at the time and all the old codgers all said, what you need to do is there's a power line on the, on the west side of the road, run the power line. You won't find them. I mean, you can find them in the woods, but good luck because they're just way too wily for you. And I was like, okay, so we started running the power line and I found the power line, started running the power line. Cause it's like 15 or 20 miles long where you mm -hmm. can hunt them at the time. And I remember seeing this, uh, this uh, antelope out there and I went, oh, I'm going to touch off and touch that thing. So we guessed. I use the word guest because it's uh, appropriate. So we guessed the telephone poles to be 50 yards apart. <laughs> so <All> this, right. <laughs> this antelope is out there a little over, a shade over five telephone poles apart. And I went, and I mean, I was 18 at the time, 19 at the time. And so, you know, dad's like, okay. yeah, those are, then dad says to me, hey, those things are about 50 yards apart. So, dad's pretty good at this thing and i don't see why sure it's 50 yards apart so i went with it so i took my rifle and i held a touch high i mean like maybe because i have a 300 wind mag so it's like i'll hold the touch high and touch it off so first of all i jump down the ground and i shoot off my bipod now they were 100 yards apart let's start with that <laughs> so my bullet lands far yeah. short and the other problem is it's like this pumicey, fine, silty dust that like literally like you can get to like roll like a wave. It's, it's like a really, you can do it in Eastern Washington too, where it's just so fine and silty. It's just super, super fine dirt. So literally the, the percussive blast of my 300 wind mag when it went off blew up a cloud of smoke the size of a truck in front of me. It took about a minute to clear. <laughs> well, at, least the, at least the animal didn't see you. 
<laughs> well, right. so the funny part was, is so my dad's standing off to the side. I go bang. And there's this huge puff of smoke and dirt and everything else all kicked up. And I'm going, <laughs> you know, stuff like this. And I go, so did I get it? Cause I'm like going, I'm, I'm dead nuts at 250 yards, 275 yards, dead nuts. Right. And dad goes, Oh no, no, no. It came closer. And I went, what came closer. And then my brother goes, yeah, I'll bet those things are probably a hundred yards apart. You probably should hold it about 400. You'll probably whack it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice. next, next shot we whacked it <laughs> uh i'm getting more and more stories from you about mis misreading yardage and so, or uh, angle of your shot <laughs> so there hold on is this, a, is this an organ thing or what <laughs> well so, so you do know that i have a range finder remember that at the bear stand how it range found, it did all the range finding of everything I, I do remember that there may be a reason for this it might be a weakness of mine <laughs> It's a handy tool to have. Yes. But I mean, it's one of those things of somebody says, and when you're in the moment, and I tell you, this is something that I've yeah. learned over time. I mean, I was young and when somebody says it's 50 yards, your mind on like, goes just kind of confirmation bias says, Oh, it's 50 yards. Especially you, when it's your dad, like exactly. somebody who's, you know, right. you, you look up to and yeah, right. Exactly. Learned from. And oh, yeah. he'd never steered me wrong. I mean, I'd shot deer at, you know, offhand at 200, 250 yards. And he goes, Oh, that's a 250 yard shot. And it was like, you know, right where it should have been like you know so it's like in the past he'd been right on so if dad's been right on before why am i going to question him now like you know right he, he this one of those things you meant to say 100 and you said 50 and whoops <laughs> right here's a question for you what is the most amount of shots you've thrown at an animal and you hit or missed it <laughs> don't care what the outcome was you just <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with the bolt action or without the bolt action <laughs> so i have taken i unloaded uh so it was my i borrowed my brother's rifle and, there's your uh, first problem there's my first problem second problem is i didn't go test fire it before i went out Done that he one said too. it was you know right on at 100 I'm like all right cool he's you know he knows what he's talking about and yeah no it wasn't so um yeah my buddy there, there's a whole other story where that is he tried taking an animal with it because it was too far for his open sights and couldn't hit anything with it. And then he took the animal with the open sights and just, that was a 400 and some yard shot. That was amazing with a Swedish Mauser open sight. Whew. Nice. So later I'm taking a poke at caribou. I mean, they're trotting along, you know, and it was, it was probably good. 250 somewhere in there i mean not bad especially not with bad, the 300 no. i emptied that clip on that animal nothing <laughs> <laughs> Most I, I emptied it and i was like well yeah that was dumb <laughs> so do, do you want to count just my rifle or do you want to count like everybody's rifle in the group because i have oh. two <laughs> so one of them happened this past fall and you were there for it brandon so the first one is, is I stood up while we were out duck hunting and like just sitting there just stretching my legs and it was, Oh, wait a minute. What's that coming in? And Oh crap. That is a, that's a duck coming right. in hot. So, and hold on. So we hadn't seen anything for a while on that one. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden here he comes in. We're like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we all unload our shotguns at this dumb duck. And the duck goes, Hmm, I'm not going to hang out here. I'm flying off. <laughs> yeah. We missed bad. That was embarrassing. Uh, yeah. Somebody <laughs> might have helped us with our shotgun skills after that. Thank you, Dan. Um, <laughs> we need to spend some more time at the range with our shotguns, clearly. <laughs> uh, so there was that. And then um, I was new to hunting. Was the first year I was out hunting or was it the second year? Uh, it was all, well, this is on the cooch. I've told you about the cooch well, before. Uh, you're going to have to explain it again because – Yeah, I know. So – <laughs> the cooch cooch mountain in oregon it's a, it's that name of the of the mountain in western oregon we were out hunting on cooch mountain is, just, okay is that like the full name of it or is that abbreviated k-u-t-c-h cooch that's actually the name of the mountain the full name it's outside mcminnville oregon you can go look it up it's it's not like you know matt sue it's matt nuskas who's sitting there you just shorted to matt sue no no it's like it's cooch on the on the, on the map it's cooch <laughs> It's probably named after some dude. You're probably making fun of this, some guy's last name. Anyways. Well, yeah, his name's Cooch. 
<laughs> and the funny part is, is it's even better when you tell the story because you have to say, well, I was on the cooch. <laughs> I thought we were talking about hunting. <laughs> we are. And it's, it's those clean. Oregon people, yeah. man. It's <laughs> a clean story. Here we go. Back to Oregon. <laughs> Rural Oregonians, man. Tell you what, something else. So, uh, so my dad, my brother, and I are out hunting. And it, the, the, the road did – it's an old loggy road we were on. It was, it was blocked off. So we were walking down the road. It's like a little mini landslide that kept you from uh, driving down it. And so it does switchbacks on the road. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's how steep this hill is. Like it's, it's no joke steep. Like it's to the point where trucks and cars don't go up and down this thing. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. So you walk down to the end of one of these like points and looking down, there's like, it was went down and then kind of came back up. The mountain kind of came back up, creating like a little valley that you were looking down at. And okay. it was probably... 200 yard shot. I was open sights at the time. Did not have the scope on my rifle. It must've been the first year I was hunting and dad goes deer. And I went, yeah, we got fur tags, dude. And a fur tag in Oregon is when you have both a doe and a buck tag in your pocket. So you don't care whether it's what, what, whether it has horns or not, you just shoot it and then you walk up and go to which tag do I put on it kind of thing. And so he goes, shoot. So we started shooting. So we unloaded the bolt, the 300 wind mags, bolt action. We unload them. And now the deer, because the way we were shooting down on them, the way it echoed, they couldn't tell where the shots were coming. So they were circling in this little valley below us, just kind of running around like chickens <laughs> with their heads cut off, going, where are these shots coming from? Because it was just echoing back and forth. So to them, they probably thought it was World War III. So we shot, unloaded the bolts, reloaded said bolts, and shot again. At the end of six shots, Dad goes, oh, hey, we're on an angle, aim low. <laughs> <laughs> we got two animals. Um... But yeah, they both took them kind of high and we were shooting over their backs. And we, I think it was seven and eight. And dad took it in seven, I took it in eight. So I'll be fully admit that I was missing good that time. And yeah. Nice. And then nice. once I got enough money nice. together, that's when I went out and bought a rangefinder. So <laughs> <laughs> now, if I have a known range, uh, I can, I'm, I'm deadly accurate. But should I get that range off? And boy, I'm, I'm hosed. Yeah, it screws with you. Especially down <clears throat> Right, well, man. my first answer was going to be three because I've done that a lot on the ducks. <laughs> <laughs> but I think my uh, having to wrap myself out, the best answer is, is seven. Um, it was an antelope in Wyoming. I was hunting by myself. I had been up there for, I think, four or five days, and I hadn't gotten within a 1,000 yards of an antelope and was really getting run ragged. And I found one, um, closest I could get was about 800 yards. And I was in the backside of a, an abandoned farm. So I had a farm implement that I could lay my rifle on. And I had made some 500 yard shots with my, it was a 22-250. And uh, oh, nice I decided, yeah. yeah. So I decided to lob one at him and missed and lobbed another one, lobbed another one, reloaded. And he just wasn't paying much attention to me and on mm. the sixth shot he just dropped mm. and but unfortunately i'd hit him in the back leg he was wounded so he antelope when they get wounded they go downhill if they're right, have any option so gotcha. he started downhill which was right at me he walked to about 300 yards and then i dropped him Huh. But yeah, it was a that was a well, seven <laughs> seven shot critter with mm, two hits. Right. So I got to give myself like my my bad scope rifle. I think that was I mean that was only like three or four rounds in that rifle. I mean it didn't hold a lot. This uh, seven hundred uh, uh, Remington seven hundred. You know I mean not a high capacity rifle, but still. But the 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 cake was again when we were kids on the Denali Highway. I had a buddy up hunting with me, and we're driving back, and you know, just spent the whole time hunting. And uh, my dad points out a little ground squirrel running along one of these like overhangs, you know, so where they cut the road through, and it's this big gravel. Oh right, yeah, the big right, yeah, the, the gravel side of the road, and up at the very top, there's these little overhangs where the tundra kind of you know is peeking over. Yeah, so these groundhogs be back running back up and forth in there, and my dad pointed one out. Me and my buddy are like, dude, can we shoot it? Can we shoot it? So he pulls over, and we jump out with the 22s, and we go tearing down the road after this thing, <laughs> and we open up. And these, you know, we had the, the, the 20 rounds in the 1022 clips, like we had the bigger rounds. Right. So he starts shooting, 
I start shooting and we we've hit this thing at least five times by this point, but he keeps shooting because the thing's kind of rolling around up there. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was because we kept hitting it with the 22s or if it was still alive, but he was shooting and I kept shooting because he was shooting. And later I come to find out he was shooting cause I was shooting. <laughs> <laughs> I think we put 45, 22 bullets into that poor little thing. <laughs> Before my dad stepped out of the motor, I was like, what the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, so uh, good stuff. I love, like, the, the reminiscent stories. I think it's one of my favorite parts about being a hunter and being outdoors and just those. And, you know, it's breakup time, so there's not much to do, and we're in quarantine, so why not? Right? Right. So. Got to get something to look forward to, right? Yep. So, uh, it's so universal. Like all of us have come from different backgrounds, different parts of the country, and we still all have just stories that we can all resonate with each other on. So, absolutely. Uh, so, anyway, we should probably sign off. So, yeah, hit us up on all our social media platforms. You know, Facebook and Instagram, or email us and all that good stuff. And go to whatever uh, uh, podcast listening platform, whatever you want to call those. However you're listening to this, go to that and give us a nice five-star <laughs> like. <laughs> like you like that plug? So. Shameless plug. I like it. All right, boys. All right. Until All next right. time. See you. Yep. You guys have a great weekend.